Welcome to this very special Amazing Race 7 episode of Yachty Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who knew not playing golf would work against him at one point in his life, Logan Saunders. <laughs> Afternoon. And I'm very pleased to say that joining us from the cast of Amazing Race 7 is Kelly Parkinson. Hi, thanks for having me. Little treat for everyone to end the season. Well, thanks. I'm I'm excited. You are our treat for the end. Well, I'm I'm honored to be the the finale, the big closing. Maybe I maybe I can win this one. Can I win this last finale? Uh, yeah, like if there's another plane, we're just gonna kick. We're not gonna hold it for Chen and Joyce this time. There there's, you go. There you're you the go. only ones that get to. You're the only one that gets to be on it. <laughs> uh, don't make me think about that part again. <laughs> So I guess the first question is, what have you been up to in the past 13 years? Oh, wow. I've had lots of children. <laughs> I've got five kids, and um, I got married, married a wonderful man uh, named Scott Parkinson, and he's in the ministry. He's a pastor, and we've, we've got five children, one which we have adopted from India, which actually kind of all goes back to my amazing race experience actually since India was one of the places that we we visited and um, I just love being mom and I get the privilege to to stay home and I homeschool my children we're in our third year of homeschool and um, started a nonprofit in which we help orphans um, in India and it's just been an amazing but fast 13 years I was reading that you've been to India at least a dozen or so times since your time on the amazing race Yes, that's true. Um, I usually go twice a year now since we started our nonprofit. Um, it's kind of a funny story. After doing The Amazing Race, you know, I come home and I'm describing the experience to my family and friends when I'm actually allowed to talk about it. And uh, I told, you know, all of my close friends and family that I loved every place we went, enjoyed all of the experiences, but I would never go back to India again. That, it, you know, one time in India was good enough for me. And of course, you know how the saying goes never say never. Um, because I just found myself back in India about a year later after being there because they had a horrible tsunami and I went back to do some relief, relief effort. Um, the tsunami actually happened right after we filmed. We were there, I think late November, early December and the tsunami hit just shortly after. And so I went back almost a year later after that, doing some relief work and just fell in love with the country and a heart for orphans. And so we adopted uh, one of our daughters from there, and now we have um, a nonprofit that is really trying to rescue and help girls over there, um, girls especially that come out of sex trafficking. And so now I, I get the honor to go back two times a year and just make sure that that it's all running and helping the girls that we're servicing right now. Wow, that is that is some awesome work to be doing in the span of thirteen years. Yeah, it's been a wild ride, but um, you know. I just am thankful for all the opportunity and the experience. And really, I think a lot back whenever people ask me about our nonprofit, I just always go back to the amazing race because really that's kind of what opened my heart to the world. I had never been out of the United States before we had filmed the show. And man, my heart just burst wide open just for all the different people that are out there and all the different cultures and just um, realizing how spoiled we can be as Westerners and how we take a lot of things for granted. And so um, I'm just thankful now that I get to use that opportunity to give back. Some of the other contestants we've interviewed, typically it's they watch their run on the show and then they go back to their regular lives. But that was sounds like that is definitely not the case for you. You really made a 
permanent change in your life after your experience on the race? I think so. I mean, it really, it really, really impacted me. And, um, you know, like I said, I just, I was really just touched by what I saw all over the world and, um, slowly, but surely, you know, it just kept making steps and kind of narrowed my focus in on India. I kind of laugh all the time with my husband because one of my favorite experiences on the show was while we were in Africa during our mandatory rest time. And, I would love to go back to Africa and do more work there, but it's my heart is just in India and I can't shake it. Wow. Um, how, how were you originally cast for the amazing race? Well, I started watching the show, um, I guess towards the end of season four and I just got really into it. I'm a pretty competitive person and I've always enjoyed television and just started watching the show. And when season five started, and I guess it was probably I could kind of relate to Colin and Christy, you know, her being the pageant person. And I just remember thinking, um, I could do this. I know I could do this, be on this show, just thinking more like competitive wise, not that I thought, you know, they would pick me for the show. Um, and then, of course, I guess like everybody else, you watch the show and you imagine yourself in it and what you would do in those situations. And so that's just the kind of things that I was thinking in my mind. And then, of course, at the time. I was dating Ron, and so I would get him to to watch the show with me some, and he would say, yeah, that looks like fun, and I asked him several times. I said, you know, let's apply. Let's apply to be on it, and I really kept telling him, I know they're going to pick us because they're going to pick you, because <laughs> uh, at that time, you know, he would, had just come home from being a POW, in case you forgot that part, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> We, that has slipped my mind completely over the years. I had I had no idea. <laughs> um, no, but so I just thought because, you know, he had a little bit of celebrity status in his own right um, that they would probably pick us because of that. So I told him I'd do all the legwork. I filled out the paperwork. I did the applications. And then, of course, we had to make a video. And we made this video actually at the CNN offices in Atlanta. They let us borrow a bunch of their news footage. And at that time, it was a, um, a presidential election. And we did this big spoof with, like, uh, Bill Clinton saying things about me. And, um, oh, gosh, who was that man running then that was kind of crazy? He would yell. John Kerry? Howard Dean? Howard Dean. It was <laughs> And so we just used all these different clips and we thought it was like the best video. We thought it was so funny. We were so proud of ourselves. Well, we turned the application in. And I just knew we were going to hear back from them. And they never called, and they never called, and they never called. Now, in the meanwhile, Ron and I break up. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, they eventually call. We get a phone call. Uh, I do. And Scott also gets, I mean, not Scott, that's my husband. Ron, <laughs> Ron also gets one. And um, they just say, hey, we've got your application, and we're really interested in you, but we don't like your video at all. <laughs> So we were just kind of shocked by that because we had worked so hard on it and we just thought it was great. Um, so they said, you know, we want to fly you next week to L.A. and we want to come you, for you to come here and interview in person and we'll probably redo your video when you come. And so, you know, Ron and I had to do a lot of talking because we had broken up and just trying to decide, you know, if this is something we wanted to do. We both decided it was. And so the next thing we know, we're both meeting at the airport in L.A., and we interview, they film us doing a video. And the only thing that we did was we sat on a couch and he played the guitar and I sat there and laughed and smiled. 
and that was it. So Chappelle's show was all over Howard Dean impressions, but apparently not uh, not Elise and Bertram over at uh, CBS. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, they didn't like it, but apparently... Our, maybe our paperwork got us in or maybe some of Ron's uh, celebrity status got us in. Uh, but I'm, I'm just thankful it got us in because it was it just, like I said, an experience that I will, will never regret ever having done. So you and Ron got back together just during the race or was it essentially like it was already over when you guys were on the race? Mm, I think it was pretty much over. But I know in my heart, and I think everybody could probably tell watching the show that I was still hoping that something would change, you know, that it would work out between us. And so my parents actually, you know, when I talked to them about going on the show, they all were like, yes, you should do it, but don't try to get back with him. Just do it as like friends and just be yourself and, you know, do the show. But I will, I do know in my heart that there was a part of me that was hoping that maybe something would work out at that time. But yeah, you didn't. can't you can't <laughs> help but feel that way when you get to travel around the world. <laughs> yes, you, yes. Um, and you guys actually were very close to having a very short run on the race because you guys survived mm. that first round by just seconds in the foot race against uh, Ryan and Chuck. Chuck, yep. Oh yes, and I could not believe that we were. I don't know. I went in with a lot of confidence because I just thought. And preparing for the race, in my mind, even though I've watched it on television, physically, I was just trying to, you know, like I was out running miles and running with backpacks, you know, on my back, just trying to train in that way. But immediately I learned when we got there, it was much more of a mental game than it was a physical game. And I was not prepared (laughs) for that part. And it was a shock to me because I I really kind of went in with confidence thinking that Ron and I were going to do really well because we were physically ready, you know, for this. And and we're both competitive and we're strong. And so that first leg was a good awakening for me to realize I've got to to really turn my brain on here. And it's a mental game. I've got to be thinking ahead of everybody. Uh, yeah, so that foot race down to the end, uh, it was just heart-wrenching. Because I really hated to see Chuck and Ryan go, too. They were from my home state of South Carolina. And, oh, man, that was hard to watch them go. Do Ryan and Chuck play the what-if scenario of what would have happened if they had reversed spots with you guys and they had made it to uh, the final three? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know what the – I have not talked to them in a long time. It's probably been about 10 years, um, but they helped me with a big fundraiser um, that I did for a child abuse shelter um, in South Carolina, and they would laugh and make jokes all the time about, you know, like what if we just would have ran a little bit harder. And of course, you know, Chuck and Ryan would pick on each other. Like, well, if you didn't eat all those donuts last week, you could have run faster, you know? (laughs) So I guess actually in that part of the leg, being able to run and all that training I did beforehand was, I guess did help me not lose uh, that leg of the race. But man, that was, that was pretty intense. Yeah. There was a lot of foot races in your guys's, uh, in your guys' season. But yet, after that first round, it seems like your guys' uh, initial expectations came true because after that first leg, you guys never really falter below, I think, fourth place for the rest of the season. Wow. You're better at statistics than, than me, but I just... <laughs> <laughs> because we never... I think we won first. I'm trying to remember what leg we won first in um, and where we were. Um, Jamaica, okay. I think we were... 
Oh, Jamaica, yes. The shortest leg ever to air in a masonry's <laughs> history, where you guys win a leg, it's cut down to, I think, 25 minutes on TV or something ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Weirdly, Logan and I were discussing the, this last night. Like, had you guys not come in 10th on that first leg, you basically would have had the best average of the season. It was very close between you and Robin Amber towards the end. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't even really think about it like that. So you're making me feel better about my racing. <laughs> yeah, I guess we did do fairly well because we hung in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you guys also won that first leg in uh, Botswana. I think it's the one where uh, Brian and Greg had oh, that. Oh, they crashed uh, the unfortunate... car. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now it's all coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to be the start of our interviews with people from the first 10 seasons. It's like the first few minutes... They're just so, slowly having everything, the trauma, the the happiness, and all the excitement just slowly uh, get back into their mind. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm going to be dreaming about this for sure for the next few weeks. <laughs> Was there any uh, behind-the-scenes uh, stuff related to Brian and Greg's car crash? Did anybody get briefed on, hey, be more careful for the rest of the race? No, I don't remember any of that. Um kind of talk because I think it was just you know just a accident for sure I don't think anybody got in trouble for it or anything now I do remember um, Brian and Greg saying later and I may not be quoting this exactly right so because I'm trying to recall this from many years ago um, but the cameras weren't on when they crashed and so they had to go back and redo a crash for the TV <laughs> How do you, and I did, do they just flip the car over again? How, well, that that's, that's what I asked. I was like, how, how did you do that, guys? And they just said we had to just pretend and they like shook the camera and, you know, just kind of added, I guess, some special editing or whatever. But I mean, the wreck really did happen, but they just didn't have the cameras on. So that they had to go back and kind of pretend. Yeah, they even had, they even had a Brian or Greg uh, screaming right in that scene. So I can't... Uh, can't imagine right after you crash a car that production is expecting you to pretend to scream just like you did <laughs> during a car crash. Yeah, well, I remember we, Botswana, that was like my most favorite stop. And that was, of course, the mandatory stop. And man, we just got to experience a beautiful part of Africa on that mandatory rest. But Brian and Greg were there because normally the teams that lost, they were taken away like immediately and we never saw them. But they were still hanging around. And that was kind of not typical. So I'm walking over talking to him and he was like, yeah, they didn't get our crash. So that's why we're still here. <laughs> and so I guess they did just have to go back out and pretend. So I remember when watching it on television, just trying to watch and see how they did it since I knew they had re, re kind of refilmed that part. Did Brian and Greg happen to have more clothes on after they were eliminated and hung around with you guys uh, at the end of the <laughs> next Botswana leg? <laughs> or, the, was, or did they refilm the car crash while they're still in a toque and shirtless and in their boxers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember all of that. But, no, they didn't walk around without clothes very much, you know, around our pit stop areas. So, uh, no, they were more clothed. And those guys are awesome. They are so funny. And I don't talk to them a whole lot now. But a couple of years after the race, I went out to L.A. and I got to see them and they're just just great, great guys, always making you laugh. They just have the best personalities. 
Yeah, even I think Brian has now become almost as famous as Rob and Amber in the form of appearing on several episodes of The Big Bang Theory. Yes, and then do you remember seeing him in all those Budweiser commercials? Uh, not specifically, but I know he has appeared in a lot of... I, I have a feeling that the commercials probably haven't aired here in uh, Canada. Oh, okay, okay. Well, they were pretty hilarious, and it was always just funny to watch him. And then every now and then he'll appear in something else that's like kind of serious, where he's not even being funny, and it just makes me laugh when he's like looks like some insurance salesman or something, you know, being being really serious. But there he is, and yeah, he's he's really just made a lot of uh, success for himself. That's great. Yeah, he has uh, he has quite quite the acting range by by the sounds of it. Did you get to know their good friends, uh, Megan and Heidi, while on the race? Not really well. Um, they weren't on there, I guess, super, super long, because they were off second, right? Yeah, right after Ryan and Chuck. Yeah, but they were just very, very kind and just sweet girls. And really, everybody on the race, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with them when we got the chance you know, to hang out. But I didn't really get to know Megan and Heidi that well. Brian and Greg got to know them a little bit better, I guess, in the, in the long <laughs> run. <laughs> I guess so. It was so funny because, you know, when you watch it on television and then you experience it, you know, like I said, it's just a different, you walk away differently with a different takeaway than what sometimes is aired. And um, I remember thinking Brian and Greg kind of like flirted with them and thought they were cute, but I never like thought it was like over the top or anything. So, um but, I mean, man, two cute guys, two cute girls, and they were all single, I think. So, you know, they probably really enjoyed getting to know each other. <laughs> yeah, like, I think Brian, I'm looking at his filmography right now, and he was on a show called Hot Neighbors and Concrete Blonde. So I guess it explains why he was good friends with uh, Megan and Heidi during the course of the season. <laughs> Your season filmed well before the explosion of social media, and now contestants uh get reactions from social media for pretty much doing anything on the race. Um, what were some of the reactions you got with you and with uh, Ron being a, a POW while running the race? Well, I got mainly through email. And then, of course, there was all these like forums and things where people were talking about uh, the show. But I did get a couple of emails from random people. Um, and Oh, man, I actually just got one like, three months ago from somebody through Facebook that said they had just watched my season and how disrespectful I am of our military. And so <laughs> he was called so Logan that, Saunders, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, that kind of stuff that just, and not everything was bad, which was interesting. You know, like some people would be real supportive. I wouldn't let a man talk to me that way either. Uh, you know, and that part always made me a little sad because I just hated that's what people saw most in the show, I guess, was really, it really was kind of wrapped up in our relationship, our part, I guess, um, that aired a lot. You know, I just hate that it kind of came out so negative that way. But yeah, people, people definitely got offended by some of the things I said or did. And so that's, you know, but I'm just thankful. <laughs> Maybe I should be really thankful that Facebook wasn't out then. <laughs> Because I, I probably got would have gotten really blasted. I'm, I'm in disbelief that over 13 years later, and you, you're getting an email through Facebook uh, <laughs> about a random, a random episode. Um, yeah, I was too. I mean, I, I almost responded, and then I thought, you know what? I just, 
don't even think I have the energy to go there. <laughs> it's like I, my life is so different than that now, although it is a huge part of my life. It, that's definitely not who I am, somebody who disrespects the military. And, and I think that may be one reason why I really struggle to watch the show is because um, I feel like in some ways, not that I didn't say those things, but, you know, you watch it and you might get an opinion about somebody that maybe is not necessarily who they are. And I think that's, I found myself kind of getting wrapped up occasionally when I watch reality television, getting wrapped up into people's personalities. And then in the back of my mind, I'd be like, well, what if that's not really who they are, you know? And so I think that's probably why it's hard for me to go back and watch the show. That may be part of it. But yeah, it's, it's, it is random to get something like that 13 years later. But even, let's see, about two years ago, um, somebody sent us an email and said that this guy had written an article about me on The Amazing Race. And basically, it was an article that had to do with marriage. And basically, it was putting me down a little bit. And then I think putting Ron down, too, into just talking about how when a couple argues, like, how would how would you want to get married? And um, I didn't even really see the article. Somebody forwarded to me and my husband. And my husband ended up writing the guy and telling him, you know, Ron's loss was my gain. And he ended up reaching out to us and redoing a new article. Um, so it was just interesting. Like, you know, like you said, it's been so many years that still, I guess people can go back and watch it now anytime they want. So it's still, still fresh for them. Yeah. That's still brand new for them. And that you and Ron's relationship playing out on screen is still impacting how people view marriage and stuff. That's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's a lot to take out of a few episodes of, uh, the amazing race. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but it was, it was cool to connect with the guy who wrote the article. Um, he ended up really apologizing to me and wrote this article about how you shouldn't judge people um, and realizing that even when somebody may some say something that's rude or you don't like, you know, they may not be that same person. Just like we've talked, you know, time changes you. You grow as a person, you know, so it was really neat just for him to go back and, and write all that and connect with them. And so now we're actually friends. <laughs> wow. Um after your time on the race, um, did you do any promotional commercials like Brian did, but instead do it for Turkish makeup or cosmetic commercials? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe no one ever asked me to do a lipstick ad. I mean, I just can't believe this. Um, but no, uh, I did do a few local commercials, just like car dealerships and various things, you know, like around uh, where we lived. So uh, that was fun to get to do some of those things. But no, no makeup ads. How was was the race easier or harder with getting all of your uh, all of your stuff taken away? Because I feel like like that would help uh, speed up being able to run from place to place and not worry of having to keep track of too many possessions along the way. Yeah, it definitely got easier when it came to that, and you immediately learn. Just I feel like on leg one, you start learning right away. You don't need everything that you have with you. And um, Ron tried several times to get me to get rid of stuff, but I felt bad because we paid a lot of money for some some of that special gear that we had so I thought I hate to to throw it away or to leave it somewhere but you really don't need much at all I remember thinking that about Megan and Heidi I think or it could have been Deb and Bianca they had just like this tea tiny backpack and I think she had like one other change of clothes and that was all she had and we had sleep like sleeping bags we were ready to like be stuck in Iceland somewhere in the snow we were ready to like go to the desert we had all kinds of gear with us and yes it would have been a lot easier and as it got taken away it did get a lot lighter but not having the money to get around where you need to get around is very stressful did you guys uh, i know we were talking to uh, a team that actually won the race after 
getting all their stuff taken away twice uh, during the season. They said that people were extremely generous and they ended up with more money than the other teams around them. Did you guys end up getting a lot of uh, rely on the generosity of the people you encountered in the last couple of legs to make up for your lost funds? We did. And really, I felt like we only had to do that for the one leg because then the next time that we were on it, it got taken away in Turkey. And so I think the next place we went was London. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, I felt like in some ways we had it easy because in London, everybody spoke English and it was very easy, you know, to ask for money in your own language. And I couldn't imagine it being in another country, but people were very, very generous. But we really, once once that leg was over, we really didn't have to ask for extra money after that. So people were so generous that got us through. Now, I will say London, everything was so much more expensive than some of the other countries we were. So that part was stressful because we needed to get extra money. But Yeah, we can vouch for that. Yes, yes, we can. <laughs> people were very generous and... Um, it was just amazing to watch people give like that. Hey, what was that one meal that we had in London, uh, Michael? Wasn't it like we went to Pizza Hut and it was the equivalent of about close to thirty US dollars for what we had? Yeah, that sounds about right. It was the it was the buffet, wasn't it? Yes, it was the buffet. Yes, <laughs> that was when your friend from back home uh, joined us as well. I think he missed out on the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just being down in the. Um... Well, I'm going to call it a subway, but I know it has a, probably a, London a different term. Yes, <laughs> London Underground. And I remember being down there and begging people for money, and everybody was just handing us money left and right. And that was just, I just remember almost getting teary and emotional just at how generous everybody was. But uh, after we came out of that underground, I think we were set from what I remember. Um, the hardest part begging in Turkey was we didn't really speak the same language. And so that was hard sometimes to get money when you couldn't really communicate. But when we hit London, it definitely got a lot easier. I feel like Jamaica would have probably been a tougher place to beg for money from people. Yeah, I'd be like, let's go to the sandals. Let's, find, <laughs> let's, go, let's go find those resorts, everybody. And uh, yeah, that would have been tough, that's for sure. So you guys wouldn't have been in the same situation as Uchenna and Joyce, where if you guys were at that finish line trying to pay for a taxi, you wouldn't have had the same a financial issue that Uchenna and Joyce did right then. Yeah, I guess not. So they were in Jamaica then when they lost their money. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. And then from there, they had to go to Puerto Rico. But they made it. We all called up at the sugar factory. I remember that. And then it was a three-team race. <laughs> yes. Yep. And we thought we were ahead because I'm pretty sure Ron was the first one to jump off of that big pier-like thing and get out of the water. And we were in our car. And then after that, it was a wrong turn to the airport, and the rest is history. <laughs> Rob gave Amber a piggyback ride after that task. Would Ron have given you a piggyback ride? Yeah, I think so. Ron's a great guy. He's not a jerk. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get, you know, you just get in the heat of the competition, and and that's one thing I learned about myself for sure on that show is I'm like way over the top competitive, and I've definitely tried to work on that. <laughs> But now that my kids are playing sports, it's just flying out now. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the, the you're the mom screaming at the yes. sidelines. <laughs> yes, I am the maniac mom, and I am not lying about that. <laughs> so I thought I had it under control. I can play a board game now and lose and be okay, but not 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 when my kids on the field. <laughs> not when it's football. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> 
Um, have you driven any more double-decker buses uh, after your time on the race? No, but man, I would love to because often, you know, I go back to India twice a year usually, and often we fly through London, and every now and then I'll get a long layover there, and I just sit there and stare at those double-decker buses. <laughs> And I always tell everybody around me, like, can you believe I drove one of those? And uh, <laughs> they just laugh. And, man, that was that was probably one in my top uh, top five experiences, for sure. That was a lot of fun. How upset was Ron that you got to do both the driving roadblocks during the season? Now, what was my other one? There was I one had... in Botswana with the, I think he did the one with the truck. Now, I he ended up doing it. I oh, think... he ended up doing it. Oh, I'm which pretty one sure he ended up doing it. Oh, um, okay. I have to think of, well, because it's where you went through the water in your, like, Humvee, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he ended up doing that one. Okay. I miss, I miss remembering things. <laughs> With the, the London one as well, Logan, we have actually been to where it was, just to point it out. We were at that location, too? Jeez. Just unintentionally. It was a big parking lot, right? Yeah, I, I deliberately took you to the O2, which used to be the Millennium Dome, which is where it happened. Damn, that was it. Okay. It was one of the uh, one of the car parks of the O2. Oh, okay. Huh. I'm trying to remember if if I did drive that car, but I'm almost positive he drove the car. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, um, I I can't even drive a a stick shift or anything, so I'm pretty sure he had to do it. And I don't remember what the question was oh. that made you think about the roadblock. Oh, was because of driving a double-decker bus, was Ron upset that he didn't get to do a, another task that involved uh, driving a vehicle? Oh, okay. Well, he did have to do that horrible eating one, and I think that was Argentina, where he ate all the meat. One question I've always had about that Argentina roadblock over the years is, did Rob and Amber actually convince people to quit that task, or was it because Meredith was 70 and Dino is just a lot smaller frame to be able to eat all of that food. Now I remember him convincing everybody like he, he was telling everybody to quit and he was like, why do that? Why do that? We're all going to eat it up. You know, we're all going to do this. And, um, man, now I want to go back and watch that episode just so I can <laughs> remember exactly. But no, I remember him walking around and talking to people about it. But there was one of the girls, like one of the really tiny girls, and I'm trying to think, might Bianca? have been Debbie. Yeah, one yeah, of Debbie, them. Yeah, it might have been yeah. Bianchi. Uh, B- Bianchi. Bianca. Bianchi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, She's got a new nickname. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I remember her. I think she ate all of it. That she didn't. She did not take the penalty, and that she ate all of it, and she never got sick. Like I remember thinking, like I cannot believe your body is holding. <laughs> all of that food down but I, I'm pretty sure I remember her because uh, we left before she finished but I remember talking to her afterwards and she was like yeah I ate it all and I didn't take the penalty and Patrick almost quit that task from what I've read over the years or he initially uh, quit then went back and finished the roadblock I don't remember did so he didn't take the penalty he went and ate it I think or what I, he... the, the story I've read I think it may have been in the DVD commentary way back when was that he or he started the task then decided to quit and then he went back to it and finished it. Huh. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, I don't remember I don't remember Patrick being there. I mean I'm sure he was. I just remember we were kind of sitting around this big like almost like a big bonfire. And I remember Robin Amber being there 
Um, and I'm trying to remember who all was sitting around us, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember all the exact details, but I don't remember that about Patrick. Okay. Um, during the episodes, it showed particularly Susan, Patrick and Lynn and Alex talking about Rob and Amber a lot. That was a lot of what their footage was surrounded around in the episodes. Was that just for TV or did they talk about Rob and Amber as much as what we saw on TV? Well, I don't think they really cared for Robin Amber and I, and I don't necessarily mean like today they might really care for Robin Amber, but I think they were just like really focused, you know, on the race. And I, and I do know that once we started the first leg and you realize that they're on the show, I do know that there were several people disappointed, you know, that they were on the show and I just didn't really read into it that much. You know, I just kind of thought, well, they're just like us, you know, everybody's got a shot. We can beat them. You know, if we work hard, we'll beat them. And I didn't think anything about them being celebrities or anything would, would hinder anybody's chance at the race. But I do, there were lots of people talking about it, you know, to each other about how they didn't think it was fair. They didn't like it. So I do think some of that was probably true that, yeah, they were talking about it, but it wasn't just them. There were a lot of people really struggled with it and were talking about it. Were they concerned that, was there almost like a metagame in a way where they were thinking that they would get a lot more TV time and get their adventures shown a lot more than the 10 other teams? I guess so. Um, that's what I really didn't understand because I, I just, in my mind, I'm like, hey, I'm just here to race. I, you know, I'm competitive. We can be them. You know, that's just kind of the mentality that I had. But a lot of people just kept saying they didn't think it would be fair. And um, I will say this one thing happened. And where were we? I want to, it might have been when we were in Chile. And we had arrived, Ron and I had arrived somewhere. And we thought we were first. And we go and we we hop on this. Oh, man, my brain's not working. I can't think of the words for things. But basically, it's like a little a little oh, cart. Take, I guess so. Well, it takes you up the side of the mountain. It was that that was in Santiago? Maybe. I, I know it was in the South America section of the race. And I'm if it yeah, I really think it was there. It might have been in Argentina, but I really think it was it was there in Santiago. But we show up, we go to get on that, and then somebody from production stops us and says, um, we're gonna penalize everybody fifteen minutes because Rob and Amber were here, but we weren't ready for them. And so it's not fair that we weren't ready. So we're going to let them have 15 minutes ahead. And Ooh. yeah. And that's the only time that I really was just kind of like, hmm, what's going on here? You know, but I, I really believe in my heart that the show is not rigged. I don't think it's rigged. And, and just having been out there, you know, for all of it and have experienced all the legs. I mean, I never saw them really get an advance from production any other time, you know, and having worked with all the production people, they just were top notch quality people. And so I guess in my heart, I want to believe that's what really happened. But I will that one time till sometimes I think about it and I'm like, hmm, what happened there? You know, at least only happened the once it was future legs where they said, ah, well, we weren't ready for Robin yeah. Amber again. So they get a two hour head start <laughs> yeah. to Chen and Joyce to get all of your stuff taken away again. <laughs> and that's, and I think maybe some of the um, racers, you know, because Rob and Amber were kind of always out in the front and it seemed like they were always kind of catching these breaks. I think that some of them thought that maybe they were getting some extra help, but I never saw it, you know, other than that one experience. But 
everybody got penalized, you know, down the road. So I, I don't think, I think that was a legitimate, a legitimate production thing when that happened. And you can't help but feel that the luck balances out by the final leg of the race when uh, they were this close to having a huge head start on, uh, on everybody. Yes. Yes. And I will say, I mean, I, I really liked Rob and Amber. Um, Rob definitely is a different kind of player um, and competitor than I am, but he's really smart. And, you know, when he's playing a game, he's very shrewd, you know, he thinks ahead and he knows how to work people. I mean, just like the barbecue pit we were talking about, um, he knows how to do certain things to win a game. But in, in person, I think he's just a lot of fun to be around. He was a super nice guy. Amber was a sweetheart. But I will say I was really excited when, when Joyce and Uchenna won um, because I guess in, in my heart, Rob and Amber had kind of already won and had their moment. And, um, you know, I wanted Joyce and Uchenna to have, have a moment too. Yeah, people tend to forget that when they were on the Amazing Race the first time, it was right after uh, Survivor. I don't think Survivor All-Stars had even really or I guess it was just after Survivor All-Stars was had finished airing on TV was when you guys filmed your season, I think. Yeah, it was very soon after, because um, I watched all that on television myself. And, you know, then the next thing I know, I'm in L.A., you know, and of course, I you don't see them. They keep us all, um, you know, private and hidden from each other until we show up on that that first day and we're all out there by the Queen Mary together, and there they were. And I just remember looking at Ron going, there's Rob and Amber, and he didn't even know who they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was pretty It was, it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm glad they were on our show, on our season, because um, I think a lot of people tuned in, you know, to watch them. They had their own set of fans, and they brought some Survivor, you know, fans over into The Amazing Race, and um, so... If anything, you know, I look back and I think, well, that was kind of fun, you know, that they were on there. And they helped me, too, when we when the race was over and we were doing the fundraiser for a child abuse shelter in South Carolina. Um, they came and helped with that. And I'll be forever grateful for that. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, the uh, next yeah next season on Amazing Race, they're bringing three other survivor teams over to the Amazing Race. And since Robin Amber Vaughn, they we're on they have brought in other uh, survivor crossover teams as well so they're just the first of a very uh, extended trend uh, for the show <laughs> yeah yeah well it was it was fun to have them on there I, I really honestly everybody who was on there they were just great people you know fun to get to know fun to be around and you know we're, we're all on that show because we're competitive and so we all had that in common <laughs> and um you know, it was just, I have just great memories of just the people on there. Did Rob ever give the money back for bribing the bus driver to not let people out? Oh, <laughs> not no. not his own money in? No, 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 no. <laughs> not Rob, but that's what makes him a good player, you know. He's just a strong competitor. And on TV, we saw Ray have a big uh, rivalry with Meredith of Meredith and Gretchen. <laughs> Did you guys experience that in person at all, or was that just surprising to see on TV on how badly Ray wanted Meredith and Gretchen out on the race? <laughs> I don't really remember seeing that in person. Um, Ray is probably one of my most favorite people. 
um, from that season. And man, he's just a good guy, big heart. And, and I, you know, I don't really remember seeing that in person. I do think, um, you know, Ray is super, super competitive. And so I was kind of shocked sometimes to see even what I was seeing on TV. Cause you know, you're not always together when you're racing. So you're kind of watching, you know, your friends race as well. <laughs> you know, And so you see certain things happen and it's just funny because when you're in the middle of the race, just that competitive nature comes out, things fly out of your mouth. You're, you know, you're, you're in the heat of the moment and then you cross that mat at the end and it's kind of like, you're just in the neighborhood with all your friends, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. So once you cross that mat, it's just really not nearly as competitive and everybody's a lot more relaxed or either just exhausted. So they're sleeping. And so you just don't really, you don't really see that tension um, behind the scenes, or at least I didn't. Yeah. Cause everyone except for Ray helped out Meredith and Gretchen after they had all their stuff uh, taken away. Was that more of a strategy because teams wanted Meredith and Gretchen to make it all the way to the final leg as a, I guess, an easier opponent per se? No, cause I know when we helped them, it was just more like, man, that's like your grandparents asking you for help, you know? <laughs> and, and they were just great people. I mean, just good people. And I, and my, my thoughts were, and I think Ron's thoughts were, you know, if we were in this situation, we'd hope they'd help us. Um, so I think that was maybe generally everybody's thoughts, but it's hard to turn down, you know, grandma and grandpa <laughs> when they're asking you for help. And, and I think she, if I remember, she even had this horrible like cut across her face. Is that right? Yeah, I was about to, yeah, I was about to say grandma would have had her head wrapped in uh, stitches. And uh... yes, yeah, yeah. So she was, she was just set up right, you know, to ask, ask for help. So, um, yeah, but I don't really remember seeing that tension uh, behind the scenes. But, you know, everybody everybody is thinking, you know, they've got to be thinking ahead for the race. And so Ray was probably just thinking, not that I don't want to help them, but I want to win. Are Barrett and Gretchen still kicking around? Because they're both, they would both be in their 80s now, if I'm not mistaken. They are. They are. Um, still I in their them... easy chairs? <laughs> Yeah, man, they're they're living the life. I talk to them every now and then on Facebook, you know, just a little comment on a picture or something, or they'll comment on pictures of my kids or whatever, but they, they seem to be doing well. Good for them. Um, yeah. What was your interactions with them like uh, on the race? Any alliances with Meredith and Gretchen? Uh, were they, how competitive, were they secretly super competitive? <laughs> I didn't take, take that away from them. I, I mean, I, it was kind of neat to watch them on the show because you would hear Gretchen say little things that would just crack me up, you know, cause I just never saw that super competitive side of her, but you know, she'd make these little comments in the, you know, in the interviews and stuff that they'd play. And so that was always fun, funny to watch because I just never saw that side of her, but no, they were always just really kind and um, they were just very sweet to me you know, I've mentioned a couple of times about this child abuse shelter in South Carolina, but one of the things that happened in my life right before I went on to film the show, my best friend was murdered out in California. And so I was dealing with all that personally and almost didn't go on the show because of that. But, um, because her murder actually became a, a pretty big national news story. And so I was doing a lot of interviews and doing the media for her family. 
And so I was, you know, Gretchen actually talked with me about that a lot and was a big comfort because I was still kind of dealing with that emotionally, you know, while I was on the show. And so to me, she was just kind of, like I said, like this grandmother that would just kind of put her arm around you and talk to you. And um, I, I really enjoyed them. Yeah, they just seem like one of the nicest teams that we've probably seen on the race. I think so. I mean, just, but I mean, I can't say enough really about everybody that was on our season. I really just enjoyed everybody. Everybody's personalities were unique. You know, we were different. We all had different backgrounds, but um, it was just really neat to get to know all of them. And, but I really, they're, Gretchen and Meredith were pretty special, at least to me. I just felt like they were always kind. And, you know, Gretchen really would, anytime we were kind of at a downtime, she would walk over and just say, how are you doing? You know, you okay? And I just really appreciate that in her. You guys also had another, uh, the first time appearing uh, team member in your cast. It was the first time you guys had the Travelocity Roaming Gnome. If I'm not mistaken, <laughs> you and Ron were the first uh, roaming gnome winners. Yes, that was the time we came in last, and so we needed a big boost of, of something because we didn't win anything when we came in first in Botswana. I remember, like, standing on the mat in Botswana, like, and <laughs> are you going to give us a prize? And we never got a prize. And so it was kind of funny and ironic, I guess, to come in last in Turkey, but we won the Travelocity Prize, and... um I'm really thankful for that Travelocity Prize. It paid for my honeymoon, and uh, I got to go on another trip out to California with it. So it was it was a a great great prize. Did the did production provide you with a gnome to take with you on the trip? No, we had to find them. Um, it was part of one of the tasks, um, like the one in Turkey. We didn't have a gnome, I don't think, any other time. But when we were in Turkey, I if I remember correctly, just one of the end of the clues said something like, go find a gnome. I mean, I'm sure it said more, but we just picked up a random gnome that we saw, and then he traveled with us the rest of that leg. But after the race was over and he went out to California, they didn't they didn't give you a gnome to take with you? No, and I'm <laughs> upset about that. <laughs> I could sit it right now, like on our, you know, just on display at the house and have lots of stories to tell. But no, no, no gnome. It could go out in my front yard. I mean, what the, yeah, they should have. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, the Nova has been on some crazy adventures as of the end of season 30. It has gone to 13 countries and five continents. It is still, <laughs> it he's is still, he's still on the race. He's, he's lasted yes. longer than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are upset that Rob and Amber get all this time on CBS shows, but this roaming gnome, he gets to appear almost every season. Yeah. Uh, 15, we need to 15 years later. <laughs> I Why need to get our group Alex together. About that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I need to get our group together then, and we need to start dialoguing about this gnome and how we're going to take them down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sure getting into the business of kidnapping gnome, gnomes will sure, sure make some headlines. So people are complaining about you on Facebook 13 years later. I, I can't believe I can't help but wonder what would happen if if you started kidnapping uh, Travelocity <laughs> Amazing Race roaming notes. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be too good for my character. Um, I had a question, but then I got distracted by gnomes. Oh, um, <laughs> during your guys' season, you guys still had the yield twist where you could yield another team, and then they went through a couple of other uh, similar or 
they switched over to doing the U-turn a few seasons after you guys were on the show, which means you have to do both sides of a detour instead of just mm-hmm. stopping for half an hour. Did you prefer ha- having to just get stopped for half an hour? Because then you got you and Ron got to try out your artistic skills on uh, certain pictures on the yield board. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh yeah, we got yielded. That was bef- was did we get yielded in London? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now because it was before the double decker. Yep, yeah, it was right at the yeah the Millennium Dome. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember being pretty like frustrated with it that we just had to make the best of it, I guess, because we, we had that little short penalty. Now, I'm trying to remember if we ever exercised a yield against someone else. Did we do the one against Robin Amber? I don't think so. I'm going to have to quickly look to Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where all the great Amazing Race uh, information is. Uh Let's see. I don't think there was really another. No, you guys had three yields during your season, but uh, doesn't look like the first two yields were used. It was just the one uh, with uh, Robin Amber yielding you and Ron. The other two went unused. Well, I guess that's just me remembering that they did that to us. But yeah, I remember now our little artwork. You gave uh, Rob a nice goatee, if I'm not mistaken. I think you yeah, gave Amber some devil, devil horns, horns, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. It's all coming back now. If you guys no, were no. U- if they U-turned you instead, you would just have to go straight to the next next task. You wouldn't have had uh, time to broadcast your artistic skills for the world to see. That's right. That's right. Nah, I guess the yield in some ways is not as bad as having to turn around and go somewhere because I guess the detour could be really far away. Some of our detours were not close by at all. So switching detour tasks was a lot less ideal back in your guys' season because nowadays there's smaller budgets, so they tend to keep detour tasks really close together. So was it like several hours to get between some of the detour tasks? I only remember that being the case for some of them. Um, Now, I remember when we were in Africa, there was – a detour task where you could milk a goat or you could walk with a basket on your head. And those were like almost side by side in the same area. So that would have been really easy because you would have been right there. But some of them, yeah, that we did were not in the same location. And I don't really know where some of the other locations were, but that's kind of what made the race really intense. I think sometimes because you really didn't know when you made that choice, were you going farther away? Were you doing something close? You know, you really... You really didn't know when you made that choice because you couldn't see what the other teams were doing if they didn't choose your task. Did you guys ever switch uh, what detour you did? We did switch in Africa. I remember that as I was talking about it. Um, we started off trying to do the baskets, and I could not do it. I was, I could not believe it. I could not walk with the basket on my head. So we ended up milking goats. Um, and I'm trying to remember what other detours were out there. Um I feel like we switched one other time. I'm trying to remember what it was. I can't I can't even remember all the detours. I should have gone back and watched all the episodes and squirmed a whole lot before <laughs> before we did this, so then I would remember everything. And Michael and I couldn't help but figure out the irony that this is dating the podcast for future listeners. But John McCain just had his uh had his funeral service yesterday, so I 
the the timing just couldn't be more ironic <laughs> for this podcast. Yes, yes. Well, let the record show. I love our military, <laughs> and I really appreciate the sacrifice that our military and their families make. And man, um, you know, I just hate that it came out that way. But obviously, some people still watch it thirteen years later and they get angry about it. So <laughs> notice how Logan said it was ironic as well. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. They actually brought up your brothers came a little bit of a storyline on the season during one of your fights with Ron, with the because you guys had a spat over uh, the way Ron was treating you. I think I think it was in the middle or towards the end of the season when mm-hmm. Ron said he wasn't used to having to be teammates with women or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact details of that argument. <laughs> I don't either. Now, now I'm getting really curious. I'm going to have to go back and watch again. Because <laughs> there was something yeah, about how your brother, how none of your brothers would have treated you the way that Ron was treating you at the time, and how uh, he said he could be less emotional if he was there with one of his war buddies or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is true. I mean, I do think I think sometimes when you see like family members competing together, like siblings or like parent child, it is a a whole lot different dynamic. I mean, it really is. I think than being like a married couple or a dating couple, because I think that you can say something to your family member in the heat of the moment and it doesn't sting quite as bad. You can get over it a lot more quickly, I think, but it is a different dynamic. I think when you go uh, with somebody that you're, you're dating or married to. Especially when, like, with a family member, there's that certain level of, well, no matter what, you're stuck with each other forever. Right. While that unconditional love. couples, that could potentially change. Right, right. So, yeah, that, I remember looking at Brian and Greg and just seeing, you know, how they could be competitive but still just have a great time together. And I remember thinking, like, that's really probably one of the best ways to do the show is, like, with a sibling. Because you do have that unique dynamic where you can get mad at each other but you're over it quickly yes yes it can be if i ran the race with one of my brothers it would yes definitely it wouldn't be the same it wouldn't be the same as uh the dynamic scene with some of the dating couples uh, <laughs> over no. the years or at least we i did. hope not otherwise it would yeah. get really weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah the dating couples bring a lot of the drama to the show that's that's for sure um actually yeah actually with your guys this season a lot of the Dating couples didn't really stay together uh, after the show was over because you and, well, you and Ron, I guess, were pretty much broken up before the race. And then you have uh, Uchen and Joyce and Ray and, Ray, and D- Ray and Dina split too, right? They did, unfortunately. Yeah, it's been, that was hard for me just after the race because I just really got to love all of those couples. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, not many of us made it. Robin Amber made it, and um, I don't know how Lynn and Alex are doing. I have not talked to them at all. Yeah, I, was, I was about to ask. I haven't read anything about them being uh, split up anywhere on the interwebs, and I, pres- I presume that Meredith and Gretchen are, are, still, uh, yeah, are still happy yeah. together. They're, they they're didn't divorce at 80? Together. Nope, nope. Still <laughs> hanging in together. <laughs> no seniors divorce court? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah, that... Uh, it does make it hard, but I don't know that it's people split because of the race or anything. It's just, you know, life in general. But, uh, yeah. Were you surprised by how how quickly 
Debbie and Bianca went from being front runners to being out really early on in the race. Yeah, I was shocked because I could tell that they were pretty intelligent. They're pretty smart ladies. And so when we got to talk to them, you know, at different times, I I remember thinking like, man, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with because they're they're really smart. And, you know, just it just goes to show that's kind of what I think makes the Amazing Race so special is that, um, you know, it's just one little thing, one little wrong decision could totally change the outcome of the leg of the race. And it could happen to anybody. And that's why I think the show is so unique because really it gives everybody the chance to win. So I think it's it's pretty cool in that way. But yeah, I was shocked that they were out early. And I think was, everybody was shocked that we lasted so long. <laughs> especially after that first leg where you just survived, what was it, about 10 seconds away from being eliminated first? I think so. It felt that way. <laughs> well, they... <laughs> And it might have not even been 10 seconds because they were just right after us. And I remember that they had the, as we were on the mat, you know, they were basically standing there, you know. So I don't I think it was even shorter than 10 seconds. And then you don't get to go to India and all the other things that help impact uh, your future. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I hate it for Ryan and Chuck. I, you know, each, uh, person who gets eliminated you know they go to what we call sequesterville and uh i think our team ended up going to cancun if i remember correctly of course i never got to go to cancun thankfully because i made it to the end but i remember uh seeing ryan and chuck at the we all came back together um in miami and i kept saying well you know i really hate it that you know you guys got eliminated and but at least you know you got a great vacation and Ryan looked over, or no, it was Chuck. Chuck looked over at me, and he was like, if you had to roll over at Cancun and look at this guy next to you, that is not a vacation. <laughs> but they were so funny. They were ready to be home at that point, because I think it had been like six weeks, six and a half weeks. And they could have added, not only could they speak Portuguese, but after uh, six weeks in Cancun, now they can also speak Spanish. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, but, Yeah. It was that was a pretty intense ending, and then for us to go on and make it up further. And now, I mean, you've just boosted my ego, letting us know that we had, you know, we finished in the top. Our percentages were pretty good. <laughs> so. Yeah, you just dropped that first leg. You guys never finished below fourth place all season long, and you would have had the best average on the season. Yeah, I guess after you know almost losing that first one, we didn't want to to make it close at all anymore. For the DVD commentary, a bunch of teams were asked back to do DVD commentary. Were you and Ron ever contacted to do the commentary? I was contacted, um, and I'm trying to remember what happened there. I don't know if Ron was contacted, but I know I was, and I don't remember why, what didn't work out there. I'm not sure. Maybe, Maybe he couldn't do it, so they wouldn't let us do it. If we did it separately, I'm not sure. I don't remember what happened there. They wanted the whole team together rather than just one person from a team? I think so. I don't really remember, though, what they said, but I just remember um, that being said another time at some other kind of interview that CBS said that they always prefer it to be a team and not just one person. And now, of course, fast forward all these years later, where now we've had two seasons based around singles being uh, paired up together, (laughs) having complete strangers race. (laughs) Yeah. 
at least on the plus side, you um, you don't have to then rewatch the episodes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. But uh, that's that's a pretty cool concept because I told you, you know, I haven't seen some of the newer ones that are out. But I've always thought it would be fun to go back and take people who've raced in the past and just put them like with random partners, you know, uh, with different backgrounds. You know, like I used to make a joke about you know, now I'm a Baptist preacher's wife, well, then put me with like a Lynn or an Alex, you know, who has totally different background and different thoughts and beliefs about things than me and see how that team works together. I always thought something like that would be really fun to watch. I I smell a sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In terms of that last leg, um, did production ever say if it wasn't for the, that flight disadvantage, if, you guys would have won the race because after season 11, now what they do is they have the final three teams always take the exact same flight to the final city. No one ever gets separated between multiple flights anymore. Um, did production ever say if you guys would have won that final leg just based on how long it took to complete the tasks around Miami? No, they never said, but, um, we actually never completed the task. We never found, I think it, I don't remember the exact clue, but I think we were looking for like a cigar shop in Miami. I just remember it doing, had something to do with a King, like the, the translation of the store had something to do with a King. And I think it turned out to be some kind of cigar shop, if I remember correctly, but I, we could never find that shop. We went around and around and around. And finally production came to us and they were like, just get in the car. <laughs> Time's and, up. Yeah. <laughs> we want to go like, home. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, no, tell me no, no, you know, because I just, I think in my mind, I probably knew it was over when we didn't catch that flight. But, you know, with with the race, you know, they always have these little twists and turns. So sometimes something may, you know, change. And so I just didn't want to give up. But man, when we got in that car, the floodgates were on. I just cried and cried and cried because, you know, it was kind of sad, too, that it was coming to an end. Um, and, but, man, what an experience. But, yeah, we didn't even get to finish that last task because they just walked over and said, get in the car. <laughs> so, so I don't really know. I have a feeling that it was probably we were already really late because of our flight. And then the fact that we didn't just find that shop, I feel like we looked for it for at least 30 minutes. And I think they were just like, that's it. Get in the car. Oh, Jen and Joyce have already cashed their check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, man, that was fun, you know, to run in and see everybody there. Of course, at that time, we didn't know who had won. So that, that was kind of my thing. It's like, who was it, Robin Amber or Joyce Nuchina? So that was uh, that was kind of fun to see that it was Joyce Nuchina. Were you bummed out that you didn't get to clap for Uchenna and Joyce along with the other teams at the finish line? Yeah, that part is a little odd. Like, I remember thinking, like, it's so strange that we're coming in at the end, you know. <laughs> we're last, but yet everybody's standing out here uh, for us. But um, it, it would have been exciting to see them run in. But I got to watch it on TV. <laughs> it's like you It's like you get to watch the, watch the party from afar without being there from the start. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. But it was really cool, you know, just to see everybody's faces there. It was good. You know, I that is one thing I've thought about before after losing, you know, we did come in at the end, but everybody was there and that was kind of special just to, 
you know, everybody, I think, kind of felt bad for us, too, because they knew how everybody there wants to win. You know, they know how, like, just it was just so deep in our hearts to just try so hard and to win. And, you know, I think they could just all relate to what we were feeling, you know, coming in third. And so that was kind of sweet, though, to have all of them there and just come up and hug us and clap for us and, um you know, kind of give us our own respect too, in some ways of just making it to the end. And that was, that was pretty special. Yeah. Everyone being very supportive of one another after a, after a long, a long, hard fought uh, battle. Yes. Yeah. After that filming was over that night, we basically had a big party all together uh, with Bertram and then Phil was there and, and then all of us are there. And um, it was, you know, that was just fun to kind of, we all kind of knew it was our last time we were going to be together for a while. So that was just fun to, to be with everybody and to talk and catch up and hear what everybody had been doing while we had been racing. And, you know, it's just an, it was an incredible experience and man, oh man, I wish they'd ask me again. <laughs> no one, no one got too carried away with the drinks at the ending party at the end. No one had any, uh, <laughs> no one wanted to blow some steam. <laughs> I didn't notice, but I'm I'm sure some of it was happening. But I just uh, I think I was still just kind of in this daze of I cannot believe this is over and this is it. You know, I was really at that point just trying to take it in because if it hit me that it was that it was over and that we were all not going to be together. So to me, it was kind of like I was going to try to soak up my time with my friends, you know, that I had met, and um, so that's kind of really where I was focused that night. What was your favorite uh, country or task to do on the Amazing Race? Hmm. Now, I really, really did love the double-decker bus that we've talked about, but I think one that I really enjoyed was racing the camel carts in India. Um, it was just fun to fly around <laughs> and just the wind going in your face and just to race the camels. It was just a unique experience, and that was probably one of my most fun memories Um was doing the elephant task, but of course I, I really did love the double decker, double decker bus. And I love to uh, be able to tell people that I've done that. One of the craziest things that I've done. Do you think a, a, a professional camel racer could uh, outrun the double decker bus? <laughs> if I was driving, yes, he could, out, <laughs> he could outrun the double decker bus. And of course the elephants would be, uh, would be finishing, uh, uh, in third place in, in a race like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Especially if they were having to push them, weren't, weren't the, I didn't do that task, but some of our team had to push this large wooden elephant down the street. Isn't that right? Yep. Yeah. I think Meredith really... and Gretchen had to rely on a lot of locals. <laughs> yeah. I, what I remember most from that is Gretchen going, Meredith. <laughs> Just the, her screaming his name. Uh, that was one of the funniest episodes to me to watch her do that. And I can't help but ask, but what was the most, what thing reminded you guys of Baghdad the most on the race? Because editors <laughs> love to throw that in there. What was the most Baghdadi thing to have happen? <laughs> Baghdad. Well, because I've not ever experienced Baghdad. I'll just have to go with Ron, you know, on all of his experiences, but um, now that I've been to India many times, I've had other people that have been over to the Middle East say that India is very, very similar to the Middle East. So I'll have to go with our time in India would probably be the most Baghdaddy experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it would be Baghdaddy or Baghdadish. I'm I, that's another question <laughs> for Ron, I guess. 
Yeah, back now Baghdadi sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Almost sounds like a new uh, instrument. That's right. <laughs> a hip-hop name. Yeah, hip-hop name, yes. That's MC, <laughs> MC Baghdadi uh, performing at a venue near you in uh, South Carolina. Um, I think you guys did an exit interview about this after your time on the show, but you guys pretty much laugh at how many clips they aired of Ron referencing Baghdad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We did laugh about it. I mean, it is funny just to go back and, I mean, like I said, you're, you come away with one experience and you watch it on TV and you have a whole new experience. And yeah, it is funny about how many things that they, they used or even that he said, you know, but that was a fresh experience for him. So I guess that's just why it was always on the forefront of his mind. And I assume, I assume they couldn't play this on the show, but uh, I presume that Ron loved to listen to the song Bombs Over Baghdad by Outkast, because that would have been a <laughs> hit song back uh, in 05. Back then. You know, I don't know. I don't remember him jamming to that one in the car very much, but, you know, maybe he was working out to it and I didn't know. <laughs> I, I hear that Andre 3000 is ideal, is ideal uh, workout music in the gym. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, well, you guys had another really cool cultural uh, experience on the race. Anytime they go there, it's kind of cool. Um, uh, so Soweto in South Africa. Yeah, how how was do? going? How was that? That was with the. I think that's when you guys actually go to the orphanage where the kid accidentally gets oh, kicked yes. in the face by a soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that was a pretty amazing experience. In fact, I remember now. Really going into that orphanage was the first time um, in my mind on the race that I, I remember kind of saying to myself, like, you need to chill out like this. You are here. You are here competing, you know, for a million dollars and you're trying to win this race. But there is real life happening, you know, all around you. And these kids are here in Africa in this orphanage. I really appreciate that experience um, because I kind of think that was almost the start for me to just really start to open my eyes and take in the world around me. Uh, so I really appreciate the opportunity to go into that orphanage. And it was really neat, you know, that CBS had brought them a lot of gifts and items. And um, just to be a part of that was was special. But that, for me, is kind of the first time I think I took a deep breath. Because I remember um, when we... South America, for me, is a blur. I mean, it is a blur in my mind. I... I don't know if it was just because it was the beginning and I was just trying to find my footing and we had lost, you know, almost lost that first one. And so I was just trying really hard to try to stay ahead of the game kind of thing. But I remember we were in Argentina and we had this task where we were riding horses and I think we were trying to like, like joust a, a ring or something. I just remember we had some task on a horse and I remember coming off that horse and we get in the car and we get to the, towards the end and we get to the pit stop and everybody is sitting there talking and they're like, man, that view, that view in Argentina. And I just look at everybody. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, when we were riding the horses, did you not see that view? And I never saw it. I never took in what was around me. I never saw the, it was the Andes mountains behind us. I never saw it one time because I was just so in the mode of competing that I didn't really look around so really, when we went into that orphanage in South Africa, it was kind of the first time I really feel like I just took a deep breath and all of a sudden reality hit me, you know, like 
you're doing this and you are getting the experience of a lifetime and you're missing it. You know, you're missing all of these things around you. And so really going to the orphanage kind of helped me just take it all in. So I'm really appreciative of that experience. Yeah, I can see the start of the race where everything is quite a blur, but I should add that if you ask anybody from Chile and anybody from Argentina that I don't think they would like their countries being referred to as something that's the same and can be blurred together. They take their unique cultures very, very, uh, very seriously, just knowing mm-hmm. from uh, personal, <laughs> personal mm-hmm. experience. But just all those legs that were in South America, you know, when we started in Peru and and just went through. I mean, I can remember things about it, but I don't really remember a whole lot of scenery around me. Um, I can remember the race parts, but I wish that I would have been able to really enjoy what was around me when when I was in all of those countries. I assume that the just the adrenaline and competition level is just through the roof at the start of the race. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, my brain was going like on overdrive. And, you know, like I said, I think that I had just had the wrong mindset going in that you were just going to have to be physically tough. And, you know, I was kind of thinking like, you know, you're gonna have to be able to run fast and beat people to things. And really, there's not that much speed work involved. I mean, it pops up every now and then in the race, obviously, like the leg race to the mats, but um, it's really very mental. And so that part for me, I think I was just just trying to readjust the whole time we did that, you know, the three different legs in in South America. And, you know, that's I hate that I it was a blur because I just hate that I miss some of the beautiful scenery around me. Yeah. When you can't almost, I guess it's almost like tunnel vision where you just can't access all the memories and being able to take anything, uh, take anything in. Mm-hmm. And well, I was kind of almost just like hyper-focused, you know, just hyper-focused on the race and getting the tasks done and just trying to stay ahead that, I mean, I could not see anything else around me. And I hate that. I mean, because really, I got to see it on TV, I guess, that part. But really, it was not until the orphanage that all of a sudden, I just realized you're missing everything around you. You know, there is real life and a real world happening and you're missing it. And so I really am thankful for the orphanage part because it did just kind of open my eyes. I mean, we even did a zip line. I think that was in Peru, if I remember uh, correctly. Yep, yeah, first, yeah, the... First leg, yeah, you guys did yep. a zip line. Humbatillo. Yep, I, I didn't notice anything about it. Just I was just on the zip line and there to accomplish a task. And I hate that. Like, I hate that. That's just one of the things that, you know, I learned through this experience was just, you know, to stop and enjoy what's around you. But, I mean, even that zip line, which was just in this incredible place, I just did not even notice what was around me. I was just there to ride the zip line and get finished. You're on a mission. Yes. There is one particular uh, scene with you and Ron that sticks, still sticks out to me after all that time, which is the fight you guys had in Botswana where you accused of Ron swearing at you. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> did, he, did he actually say anything like that or was that what? what <laughs> well, or just... I, I really believe he did. Now, you know, did I hear something differently? Could I have misheard? Possibly. Um but, I mean, I really believe he told me, you know, to shut up in not a very nice way. And, um, you know, so that kind of started the fight that I think people saw in the car. 
where I think I called him a redneck piece of trash. <laughs> so. yeah, you guys love to ant, uh, up the ante during that argument. Yes, yes. I, uh, you know, like I said, I learned a lot about myself and things that I definitely want to do different. Um, but yeah, and even, you know, he he will say to this day that he didn't say that. Well, I, I don't know what he would say to this day because I don't really communicate with him. But I remember, you know, while we were there on the the race, you know, he would say, I really didn't say that. And so I could have I could have misheard him. Um, but at the time, I really thought that he, you know, said something in a very rude way to me. So, you know, I did take it very personally when it happened. But at the same time, when you're in the heat of the moment of the race and the family dynamic that I grew up in, um, we're pretty aggressive. We say exactly what we're feeling and thinking, which is not always like super healthy, <laughs> but you know, we communicate. And in my family dynamic, we also were immediately forgiving and over it, you know, like you kind of got what off of your chest, what was on your chest, but then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're, you're fine, you know, cause you're family. And so I think, um, I learned a lot about my communication style on the race and also learned that, you know, not everybody operates that way. You know, sometimes people don't like, you know, to be talked to that way or they're not, you know, quick to forgive. And um, so, you know, I just learned a lot about that. But, yeah, um, I remember that little argument in the car. <laughs> yeah, there's been no, no on, the, on the trips to India, there's never been uh, telling somebody to uh, shut the F up no, <laughs> along no. the way. No, those those words don't come out of my mouth. So, <laughs> no, and it is funny because I travel with my husband quite a bit, and um, yeah, we don't talk talk to each other that way. But uh, you know, maybe if we were in a highly competitive race, I could get pretty intense. <laughs> but my husband knows how to handle me. We just have the right personality. But yeah, he travels the world with me, and we we don't fight. Yeah, uh, not until Phil Kogan uh, appears. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you see Phil Kogan just happening to go by in India. That's that's gonna that's gonna yes. that switch the, the dynamic instantly. <laughs> no, I will tell you, he laughs at me, um, and I've gotten better about this too. But when we would travel together, because we started dating pretty soon after the show, well, yeah, after the show was filmed, we started dating pretty soon. And then, you know, soon after we're married and we're traveling together and he's like, you don't have to run. Like, you don't have to run in the airport. Like, I did not even realize it, but I would just be like, like sprinting or speed walking everywhere I was going. Like when we were traveling places <laughs> and, and I would be like, yes, we do. That's what you, you know, you have to, you have to be in a hurry. You have to beat all these people. <laughs> and he would just laugh. He's like, yeah, we're not in the amazing race. We are going on a vacation, so we don't have to run. <laughs> so, Cut the line. <laughs> <laughs> but it took a little while to kind of get out of that mode. And and I've even taken a group of people with me from church over to India. And uh, we had this layover in London where we got delayed a lot longer than we had planned to be there. So I told everybody, like, let's go out and see the city. And, I mean, I was bound and determined I was going to see things in London that I had not seen before because, you know, when you go on the race, you don't get to see all everything unique about each city and place. And so um, everybody who was with me, they were like, we're leaving you. You are a mad person because I was just like hauling, you know, I was like sprinting, trying to get to the palace, trying to get to Big Ben, trying to get to all these places. And they eventually just got on a bus and went back to the airport and <laughs> Only my husband and one other friend could hang with me the rest of the time because I was I was just going after it. 
Uh, so I still travel pretty hard sometimes. Do you feel like it's against the rules to ever travel first class on any of your flights? <laughs> do you feel like we shouldn't be doing this? <laughs> no. Well, that's because I cannot afford a first class flight. So I think at this point, I'd welcome a first class ticket um, somewhere. But I, I got to travel first class one time, I think, after the show. And I thought, man, this is pretty nice. And it made me think about Ray and uh, Dina when I think on one flight they talked their way into, I think it might even been to Africa or leaving Africa, but it was a long flight and they talked their way into getting into first class and they got these sleeper chairs. I don't know if y'all remember seeing that. Um, but any, that one time I rode in first class, I thought, man, I should have done that. That was the way to travel right there. Uh, was there any injuries or troubles with the law that any of the teams had that we didn't get to see on the show? Hmm. I don't remember any. Um, I mean, we talked about Gretchen's face when she had that horrible fall. And I'm trying to remember if anybody else got hurt. Even in the wreck, I don't really remember the boys getting hurt too bad. Um, no, nah, I can't think of any. So it was like everyone was able to get through relatively uh, unscathed? Yeah, I think so. Now, one time in... I think this was Peru. Of course, you know, the law was not involved, but I guess they could have gotten involved. I didn't know it, but we stayed in a brothel. <laughs> so that was stayed in a brothel. Yes. We uh we were waiting to catch our next flight, and so everybody was just kind of on your own. And so we just kind of like this looks like a little side street hotel kind of thing. And so we we pulled the, you know, went in to just try to get some rest and um I did not know until we left that it was a brothel. <laughs> was was it, was it clean? Good accommodations? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty decent, and you know, so I I didn't think anything. I just kind of thought I was, you know, staying in a a room in Peru, and that's just what it was. But uh, it wasn't until after that uh, we were talking to our production crew, and they started putting it together for us, and we were like, "What?" <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you at least leave a good review on Yelp or Travelocity <laughs> or Brothel World saying, hey, five out of five, clean facilities, oh, yeah. staff yep. was very too friendly, maybe too friendly. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, that was kind of a unique experience that, you know, at the time we didn't know that was happening or what was going on. And like I said, all of the legs in South American countries for me were kind of a blur. But um, I remember laughing about that because I had no clue. Yeah, we've heard like uh, I think a few yeah four seasons ago they their first uh, pit stop. This was what production arranged for them was in like a Japanese office where guys were were looking at porn and stuff. So amazingly enough, you guys haven't uh, have haven't had the the dirtiest or slimiest uh, accommodation overall in the history of the amazing race. <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> um. What was what was the coolest uh, behind the scenes moment or most memorable behind the scenes moment that we never really got to see? I think for me it was in Botswana. We stayed in this incredible uh, Kauai River Lodge, and I mean that was just just that mandatory rest period. We got to go on a safari together. We you know just hanging out with the teams that were still in it was pretty special. But just the environment itself 
I mean, we stayed in what I would call these glamping kind of tents, you know, that basically had these bedrooms inside, but you would go out on the porch from your tent and there would just be elephants and um, hippopotami just all out in the water in front of you. And you could hear the tigers at night roaring or the lions roaring. And, um, oh man, it was just, that was pretty incredible. And I remember thinking, I will probably never get to do this ever again. So soak it up. And, oh man, that was, that was a pretty incredible experience. Did they give you the longer 36-hour pit stop in both of the Botswana legs? Yes, that one was the long one. And then we had another long one in Argentina. And I remember a little bit about that. We stayed at this polo club. And um, that was the first time, I guess, we really started to get to know people better just because you had a longer period of time uh, just to get to know each other outside of a competitive situation. But... um, I just remember it had the swimming pool and I remember that Brian and Greg were swimming and people were trying to just watch movies and just talk. It was just a good time. But the Botswana one definitely for me personally was just pretty cool to have all the animals around. And then we were supposed to get to in South Africa, we were supposed to get to sleep. um, I think they call it the pans where you're just like kind of out in this open field and you sleep on these metal beds. It's the episode where Ray and Dina got um, oh, eliminated. Yes. Yeah, in Botswana, they uh, they said that on the show that you guys were supposed to be sleeping on the metal beds out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but then there was a horrible storm, and so we didn't get to stay. And I really hate that we didn't get to experience that because, um, you know, we kind of, we end that leg, we get there, and you see all these beds out there. <laughs> You know, out in the middle of this just dirt desert area looking, it just kind of looks like this dry bush, I guess, area. And you see all those beds and you're thinking, this is where I'm sleeping for the night. And uh, the crew was going on to explain, you know, that people pay a lot of money to experience that because the animals and the wildlife come out at night and you can hear them. And um, I really wish that we could have experienced that, but it was a horrible storm. And then, so we all ended up sleeping under this big canopy tent together um, on the ground. I think everybody was just sleeping on the ground and Ron woke up that morning with scorpion on his chest. Oh, you have a mascot for your team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a, that was an interesting experience, but man, I wish we could have slept out there in those beds and heard all the wildlife and, just gotten to experience that too that would have been pretty cool but then when we stayed in that river lodge it it was pretty special just to to see all the animals and just to see a piece of Africa and they um they had some people that worked there at the lodge that kind of did some cultural dances and different things for us and it was just really special um let's see what do you want the fans to know the most about your ex- your experience on The Amazing Race? Or maybe what was the mis- most misunderstood thing about your experience on The Amazing Race? Hmm. I think that I would like people to know that I do love the military. <laughs> number one. That's, yeah. that's number one and two and three on the, um, on the list. Yes. And maybe I'm not so crazy. Um, I don't know. My husband may tell you that. No, she's pretty crazy. Um. But just, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like when you're, when you're out there, everybody's pretty competitive. It gets heated. 
And everybody who is out there is definitely being competitive with one another and competitive with their teammates. Um, and, and maybe not everything you see when it airs is always exactly as it was. And because what you don't see is like, you know, teams that maybe argue with each other, then high five each other, you know, when we cross over the mat and we're sitting down to have the dinner together and laughing, that sort of thing. Um, so it's not always as you, as it seems, I guess, but man, oh man, it was an incredible experience and I'm grateful for it. And I feel like it changed me a lot as a person and I'm so thankful for it because it really just opened my heart to the world and especially to a country um, that I never imagined myself going to having a child from as well. And, you know, now I couldn't imagine my life any other way than going to India twice a year and helping orphans and man, it was just awesome. So I don't care if I looked like a horrible person, I would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess one of the big questions I have is, if that if Brian and Gray got that non-elimination when they showed up to the pit stop with just the toque and the boxers on, would the other teams feel inclined to help them on the next leg? Or would everybody just view them as a big threat and not want to give them a shirt or anything and just see if the if Botswana customs would even let them leave the country? <laughs> that would have been pretty funny. Now, I think most of the teams you know, are pretty generous and, and helpful. So I really think that somebody would have loaned them some clothes somewhere along the way. At least I think I would have helped them out if possible. Maybe some of the other teams, you know, would have been thinking ahead further, you know, about how competitive they were. Um, but, you know, you can't help but love Brian and Greg. They were just fun to be around. They always made you laugh. So I can imagine everybody wanting to wanting to help them out. Did you have any alliances during the race? I don't know that we really had any formal alliances. I mean, I feel like we were kind of with Robin Amber a lot. So, I mean, I don't even know that a lot, but I feel like we were kind of near them a lot. But I don't really feel like Robin Amber shared any valuable information with us either. Um, but I can remember like something that really helped us in the race. I don't really remember that. Sometimes I would just, I feel like definitely towards the beginning of the race, we would just kind of try to make sure we kept an eye on him. You know, because he was always, he's just shrewd. You know, he just knows how to think ahead and to just to think in that way that puts him above other people. And so I just kept an eye on him. Ron kept an eye on him. And we just tried to kind of make sure that we weren't missing out on something that Ron, that Rob was already thinking of. Um, but I feel like a lot of people thought we had an alliance with them because we were close with them. But I don't, they never really helped us, you know, gave us any kind of information that helped us. Do you still keep in contact with all of the teams from your season? Not all of them. Um, mainly, you know, Facebook has been great for that because we can kind of keep up with each other. Um, a good bit of the team did help me a lot with the fundraiser for the child abuse shelter in South Carolina. and um, But I mainly probably communicate most probably with Ray and Dina um, the most. And Ray and Dina actually came to our wedding and, um, you know, I just kind of communicate with them more on Facebook than anybody. I've talked to Uchenna probably a couple of years ago and, um, you know, just, just kind of here and there, but we don't talk, I don't talk to them nearly as often as I would like. Um, 
but it is nice that we can kind of keep up with each other on Facebook and see what each person's doing. Do you talk to anybody that isn't from your season? No, not really. I did have um, a couple of people from other seasons ended up coming and helping us as well with our fundraiser for the child abuse shelter. And that was Jonathan and Victoria from, weren't they season five or were they season four? Uh, six. Oh, sorry. Season six. Um, and then Brennan, I think I'm saying that right. The first winner from season one, right? Is yep. his name Brennan. He came and helped. And so really those are the only ones that I've kind of talked to outside of seasons, but we kind of, there's like Facebook groups and everything with us on them. And so I'll just kind of see what everybody's doing through that, but I don't really have any kind of personal relationship with other racers. Right. Okay. Um, we have a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, our first one is, who is your favorite uh, member of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC? <laughs> okay, well, NSYNC for sure is JT. Um, Backstreet Boys, I'm like, I don't even know who the Backstreet I mean, I know who the Backstreet Boys are, but I don't know who they are individually because they were a little bit behind me. And so was NSYNC, I guess, in some ways. Um, but I knew more about NSYNC because of my younger sister. <laughs> <laughs> She helped you keep uh, the uh, be hip and with it. Yes, yes. I'm looking at the Backstreet Boys for now to try to see if one, if I remember one sticking out. But no, nobody's really sticking out. <laughs> Nick Carter looks the same as Aaron Carter. Um, <laughs> who would win a fight between a baboon and a badger? <laughs> I'm gonna go with a baboon. Baboon. Why? Yeah. Why? That's always been a common common answer. Everyone goes with the baboon. Well, in India, you know, they have a lot of monkeys. And I've seen some angry monkeys get into some fights on the street. And I've seen some attack some people. And they're they're pretty ferocious. So I'm going to go with the baboon on that one. Yeah, they just, just know how, how to take it to the ground like, a, like an MMA fighter. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> And the one that we always ask each time, I don't know why, I don't know even how, know how, know how this tradition started, because we always ask this to the male contestants as well, but are you pregnant? <laughs> no, but I wish I was. I would love to have more children, and my husband says, no way, five is enough. We are good with five, but nope, I'm not pregnant. I think my dad, my parents said the same thing, but... I just happened to be the fifth one that was born. For some reason, after number five, the line stopped. <laughs> There's something, y'all are just so special. The number fives are so special. They just don't want to, to do anything to ruin that. Yeah, I'm sure Lou Bega probably stops after, uh, after number five as well. Well, I really appreciate you guys giving me a chance to just talk about something that was so fun in my life. And um, you just bring back a lot of really good memories. And hopefully it changes the dreams you have in the future where you dream of winning uh, the amazing race. Yes. I'll message you and let you know if it changes. <laughs> yeah. I just crossed the finish line. Phil said 10 countries, 20,000 miles, 13 cities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty awesome. And then the background, your son can uh, score a touchdown. <laughs> there you go. It can all work out. And there'll be a unicorn and happy thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
Anything else you'd like to add before we close things out, uh, Kelly? No, but thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you for your time today. Yeah. Well, I think my family is waiting on me. We're going to go celebrate with some friends tonight over a bonfire, but we're not going to be eating six pounds of barbecue. No? No. Oh, man. Did did, (laughs) did Rob fly in and and talk you guys down to only eating two or three pounds? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or just wait around and do nothing for four hours <laughs> yeah y'all just sit here with us and let us get ahead of you <laughs> okay michael would you want would you like to close this out well thank you very much for listening to this interview series you can join us next time for podcast game night i guess is the next one isn't it number 250 if you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, and our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Lucas of Quacky for Logan. See you next time. Peace out, and just chill till the next episode.